Block KC, how are we doing tonight? Wow, that is hot right there. That is a hot mic. Hey, my name is Nick Swearingen, and I'm thrilled to be with you guys here tonight. Um, like Scott said, the Block KC is all about helping young adults build their life on what counts. And one of the biggest areas is in the area of relationships, right? Like that's why we're doing our Save the Date series. Scott gave us a great recap. Uh, I'm going to give us another recap. Uh, we're talking about God's plan the very first week. We talked about God's plan for love, sex, and marriage. And our main takeaway from that was that God created marriage. And he created it to be this amazing partnership. This like very joyful and self-sacrificial thing where a husband is serving his wife and a wife is serving her husband. And that's how it is. And it's amazing and it's joyful. And we talked about the fact that God cares about our love life so much more than we do. Like so much more. Which sounds kind of crazy. Honestly, right? It's like, man, does he really? But yes, he does. Then after that, we talked about being a five-star man. And we asked ourselves, are we the kind of men or ladies, are we looking for the kind of man that follows God towards a healthy marriage? Right? Like, are we looking for those kind of guys? Then last week, we talked about uh, the boss girl. Are we the kind of women or are we looking for the kind of women that are following God towards a healthy marriage? And I'm very, very excited to be wrapping it up. We're going to get super practical tonight. We're going to be looking about how do we actually save the date, right? Like what is the way that we actually do this? So get excited. But before we get a little practical, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of a story. So about a month ago, my friend Bob, he's married. He's got five kids. He texted my best friend Glenn and I. And he said, hey, would you come watch my kids so I could take my wife on a lunch date? And we thought, yeah, like that sounds awesome. We love Bob. He's been a huge blessing to us. And we're like, we would love to watch your kids. And honestly, we're just kind of honored that he asked us, right? Like two guys, we're just like, man, let's go. We've made it if Bob and Alyssa trust us with their kids. And so we show up, realize it's Valentine's Day, and that's why he's trying to take his wife on a date. And we're like, oh, well, that's good. You should do that. But we sit down with these kids to eat some pizza, right? Like I had been the, the guy who was trying to make sure the pizza wasn't getting burned. Glenn was the one who was like getting them amped up and jumping off the walls. And like, you know, they're all singing at the top of their lungs. And I'm like, Glenn, the pizza's ready now. And we're like, you know, like having that different dynamic. But we sit down and we're finally all chill. And we're all eating some pizza. And Josh, his oldest son, looks at Glenn and I and says, we've beaten every pair of babysitters we've ever had in two-on-two football. And Glenn and I look at each other, and we look down at this eight-year-old, and we say, well, you're on, right? Because he's challenging us. This eight-year-old and this six-year-old are challenging us to a game of two-on-two football. And see, we're great friends with Bob, so we know Bob's parenting style. He's not the uh, participation award type of dad, right? Like, he's not, he, he's not trying to just say, like, hey, my kids are the best at everything. He, he would very much say, hey, no, you can't beat a tw two 28-year-old men. Like, you just can't do that as a six-year-old and eight-year-old. So we finish up and we go out there, and they're even giving us titles, right? They're saying, hey, Glenn, you're Patrick Mahomes, and Nick, you're Travis Kelsey. And at first we're flattered. I'm like, man, I'm Travis Kelsey. I feel pretty good about that. But then I realize what they're doing. They're hyping it up in their minds so that when they beat us, they believe that they've beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, that's what they're doing in their minds. And now I'm like, well, now we've got to beat them even more. But this is where I realized that I had chosen the wrong teammate. Because Glenn just goes, dude, I think we should let him win. And I was like, no, absolutely not. And he's just, he's wrestling with this as we're lining up. So we go out there, three passes, three completions, 30 yards, touchdown. Right? And no one's impressed because it's against a six-year-old and eight-year-old. So that's good that no one is impressed by that. But we're feeling pretty good. We're up seven to zero. But then this is where all of our problems start. Because on kickoff, I kick it off a pretty good kick. And instantly, the boys are like, hey, flag, penalty. And I'm like, what? And they're you can't kick it. You have to throw it. I'm like, okay. So they're like, that's a 15-yard penalty. I'm like, 15 yards? This is a backyard. They, 15 yards to them is like five feet, so we're okay. But they march it up. And so it's the first play. It's first down, right? I'm getting ready to rush. I start rushing instantly. Flag, penalty. We're like, what did I do this time? He's like, you can't rush. And I was like, Fine, they're like, another 15 yards. I'm like, well, that's not even that bad. It's five feet. So they march forward another five feet. I drop back into coverage on the next play, right? Glenn and I are both co covering Hunter, the six-year-old. It's not fair. So they say flag penalty, right? And we're like, what? And they're like, you can't have two guys guarding one receiver. And I'm like, then what's the other guy do? <laughs> like, if he can't rush and he can't drop back, what does he do? 
And we just very quickly started realizing that this game was not going the way that we thought because the principles by how we played football had entirely changed. And that totally affect, affected every single phase of the game of football. And what, mattered wor- or what made it worse was that Glenn, after every single play, is like, dude, I think, I'm gonna, I think we should do an interception right here. Just throw a pick. I'm like, I am not throwing a pick. And so he would just fumble it. He would just drop the ball and let him pick it up and score. You know, we lost 42 to 21. Uh, ultimately, it wasn't that bad because seeing the joy on those two guys' faces was really fun. When they said that we beat Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, that did make me a little bit concerned about what we'd been instilling into Bob's children. But I tell you guys this because a lot of times, it, it's funny, right, when it's a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, right? It's comical when, we, when you don't know the principles of a game of football. But when it comes to relationships and we think we know how to play the game and we think we know what we're doing, but you end up losing 21 to 42 to a six-year-old, metaphorically. I don't know how that works, right? But it's not as good because that's when you lead to heartache, right? And then there's heartbreak and there's shame and there's all the things that go along with that because we think we know what we're doing, but we realize it just doesn't quite work out the way that we thought we did. So that's why we're talking about tonight, relationships, understanding the assignment, right? Like we got to understand What are we doing in relationships and how do we practically go from single to married in a way that that gets us towards God's plan for a healthy marriage and a successful marriage? And so there's a bunch of different places that we might be at tonight. Like maybe you met a guy on Hinge and you've been talking for three months and you're just like, you're not really sure where you're at, right? Like you've been texting all the time. He sends you like flirty texts or pickup lines and then you don't hear from him for two weeks. And you're like, what is this, like what does this dude actually want with me? And it's unclear. Maybe you moved in with your girlfriend like a year ago and you've been living together and it seems great. But in the back of your mind, you're not really sure where your commitment's at. And you know that it could end at any moment. Maybe you're single and guys, you're just waiting for the perfect girl to drop down from heaven. And just like, I don't know what to do. She's going to drop down. I'm sure of it. That's what's going to happen. And girls, you're like, why are guys doing that? What on earth? And maybe you're dating someone right now and you're in a relationship and you're trying to decide, is this a person that is going to point me towards Jesus in a healthy marriage? Like, is this someone I could actually see myself getting married to? And you're trying to ask yourself. And so we we need to know, how do we do this, right? Like, we want to do this with a way that doesn't lead to a lot of shame and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of regret, but a way that's successful in a way that, that builds life. And it's not just good for us, but it's good for everyone around us. Right, that, that sounds amazing, right? Imagine having a marriage that's not just a blessing to your spouse, but to every single person in your community. That sounds pretty cool. It's like, man, that's a, that's a good type of marriage. So the block is all about helping young adults build their life on what counts. We say that all the time. I say it probably way too often. But we genuinely believe that the best way to build your life is to found it upon God's principles. And so tonight we're going to be looking at a biblical example, or sorry, not a biblical example, biblical principles about dating. Because see, this is the thing, is there really is not a biblical example of how to find a spouse. It's kind of crazy, right? Like, there's really not a formula in the Bible of how do I get married. Well, then it's like, well, then what are we doing here, right? But we're looking at the principles. Because we need to know, if there's no just like formula of how to do this, there's no easy answer. We're not going to get that. So we need to know the principles of how do we treat people. How do we do this in moving from single to dating to engaged to married? Like how do we do this in a way that isn't going to lead to heartbreak, but that's going to lead to success and a thriving marriage one day? And so I'm going to share with us some principles, and then we're going to have a lot of practicals of what do we do in each of these stages that I think are going to be a real blessing to us. But before that, I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. God, I just, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the way that you have transformed my life. Um, God, I pray that tonight we would be focused on your word. Um, God, that we would be humble towards it. God, that we would cause ourselves to ask questions of why do we have the principles and relationships we currently do, and how do we need those to change. God, to, to trust you, that you really care about our best. God, and you really want what's best for us, and you want us to know you. So God, help me to speak clearly, as I should. God, help me to, and all of us, to apply these things more and more to our lives every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, so these are the principles. Uh, and, okay, so just so you know, there's no dating in the Bible, right? It didn't exist. They did arrange marriages back in the day. So all of these principles are just principles of how to treat someone else. Like, 
these principles apply to every single relationship that you have. It, reply, it applies to your work relationships. It applies to your friendships, to your family, all of these things. But we're going to be looking at it of how do we apply it in the area of relationships. And so there's going to be five, five principles, and then we're going to go through all of these different stages. First one, different from the world. Paul says this, Paul's a follower of Jesus, and he's speaking to a group of believers in Jesus, and he's trying to teach them, how do you live now that your life is different? And he says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. And what this principle different from the world means is that we don't just assume that the way that the world does things is correct. And it, it might be hard because a lot of times we've been programmed as we've grown up, like the things we hear in songs or the things we hear our parents say or the things we hear our friends say, like that's just the way it's done. But I think what we're going to find is that there's a lot of misconceptions that we have. And so I want you guys to ask yourself, why do I have the pattern of thinking about relationships that I do? Ask yourself, why do I view love and sex and marriage the way that I do? Because we talked about it that God cares about our love lives so much more than we do. So if he wants what's good for us, then we should do it his way, right? If he cares more than we do, then we should trust him. And that's the first principle. It's different from the world. Next one is clear and genuine, right? So we want to be people who are clear and genuine. Paul says again, continuing on in Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Guys, this one just means clarity is kindness, right? So a lot of times we want to protect people by not really sharing what we actually think. It's actually very kind to be genuine. And you don't, you're not harsh, right? But you just tell people, this is exactly what I'm thinking. And also, we need to be genuine. A lot of times there's a pressure in relationships. I should make myself be a little different so that maybe they might like me, right? But no, we want to be who we actually are. Because eventually they're going to get to know that. And if they find out that you've been lying the entire time, that's, you know, probably not going to go too well. So we have to start off being genuine from the beginning. Principle number three, focus on God and on others. Jesus himself says this in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're asking yourself, well, what does loving God have to do with relationships? Hey, the reality is, is that you want a God and others focused relationship because if your relationship is me focused, if it's all focused on self, then really that's, that's not a great relationship at all. Like I think we've seen people or maybe we've even been people who have been the selfish person in a relationship where everything is about what do I want and what am I getting out of this. And like that's, that's not helpful, right? That's not healthy or helpful. I combined that word together. Helpful. It's a new word. Thank you for laughing at that. But we want to be God-focused and others-focused. Next one is dependence on God. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, he said this in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. This is kind of similar to principle number one. But it can be really easy to think, hey, I know what's best. Right, like I know how to win a girl over and how to get married. I can do this. But what the Bible says is, hey, we have to trust God. We have to trust that he actually knows a thing or two more than we do. And we just got to trust that. And then you ask him. And you continually pray. And you ask him. And so we're not relying on our own skills or looks or charm to win someone over. We're relying on how God says that we treat other people and love others. So that's principle number four. Last one. Principle number five is just be forgiving. Paul continues on in Romans 12. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. But consider what is good before all people. Guys, relationships, I'm sure everyone in this room knows this. It is very easy to feel wronged, right? And it is very easy to hurt someone. But we have to be forgiving, right? If we treat some, if someone speaks poorly to us and we just return in kind, that doesn't help the problem. So we have to learn to be people who are forgiving. Because we're looking for direction, not perfection, right? Like give Scott a break just because his bed mattress sits on the ground. To be true, mine actually does too, so. But these are the five principles, y'all. Just like this, different from the world, clear and genuine, focus on God and others, dependence on God, and be forgiving. So these are the principles that we're going to be looking about. How do we apply these to all of the seasons of dating or all of the stages of dating? 
And uh, I thought it'd be fun to have a little help illustrating this point. So I've asked two people to help me with this. Uh, can I have Lucas and Sammy come up to the stage for me? Everyone give it up for them. Yeah, give it up. Come on. Sammy, if you'd sit right here. And Lucas, if you would go sit all the way over there on the end. Single. <laughs> that sounded like a dig. I promise it wasn't. All right, so we're starting off with the stages, right? Where do you start off? Single and ready to mingle. So we're just going to be talking about what do we do in each of these stages. The first one is you fight to know God. And you're like, Nick, why do you talk about God so much? And talk about relationships. And guys, I'm telling you, it's because Jesus cares about your love life so much more than you do. I will say that again and again and again. Because that's how we become the five-star man or the boss girl that we're trying to work on being. That, that leads us down the path of that plan for a healthy marriage. So the first thing that we do if we're single is you just get to know God. Right? Like you just fight to get to know him. And you seek him more and more and you learn with other people. How do I read my Bible? Right? How do I share my faith? How do I make disciples? How do I pray? How do I do all of these things? How do I live with Christ-like character? And you just let your life be changed and more and more like Christ. That's principle number three. Focus on God and others. Next, you be sexually pure, right? This is different from the world. And the reason why I want to say this, a lot of people are like, hey, if you're not in a relationship, like surely pornography and masturbation are not a big deal, right? Or like, hey, surely it's not a big deal if I just fantasize in my mind about every single guy that I see. Like, sure, that's not a big deal, right? But I'm telling you guys, you will perform how you practice. So if you set yourself up in your mind to look for variety, which is really what pornography is, and for selfishness, which is what fantasy and masturbation are, if you continue to train your mind to seek those things, when you're in a marriage, those will not change. It doesn't just instantly change. So you have to train your mind, how do I focus on God? And how do I focus on living a life that is different than the world? And if you continue to look for something else that's going to make you happy, right, like marriage will not make you happy. If you're looking for something else continually to make you happy. According to the CDC, I've said the statistic number, numerous times over the series, but 71% of marriages end due to infidelity or lack of commitment. 71%. Which means that if you can live a life that is focused on serving other people and living a sexually pure life, you are already setting yourself up for more success than 71% of the rest of the population. Which, again, we're not just looking for marriages that are, like, staying together. We're looking for successful and happy and healthy marriages that are a blessing to so many people around them. So we're fighting to know God. We're being sexually pure. Okay, what are we doing as we're singles, right? Like, we want to move towards marriage. So first of all, you got to define your search. We have to define our search. And this is also different from the world. Because a lot of people in the world, they say, hey, there's a soulmate out there. Right? Like, there's one person that that person is going to complete you. Actually, the idea of a soulmate actually comes from Greek mythology. There was a giant with four arms and two heads and four legs. And Zeus was jealous, and so he split them up and made the two halves search for each other. And that's where the idea of a soulmate comes from, which is just an absurd story. It really is. And so if we're sitting there thinking, man, I wonder if that person is the one, or I wonder if that person is the one, then we're really thinking something that isn't even true and was grounded in a myth. And it's not even reality. And also, it, it kind of forces, a, it, we get a little paralyzed by options, right? Because if there's one right person in the world, and there's like so many different single people, it's like, uh, I, I don't know how to choose, right? This is where I wanted to t take a moment and mention dating apps. And hey, before everyone is just like, oh, he's going to say they're bad, or he's going to say they're evil. That's actually not what I'm going to say. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that they're confusing. Right, because it just gives you more and more and more options. And point number two is be clear and genuine. And we all know it is kind of easy to not really be someone who you are online. Right, so if you're looking for dating apps for the right person for you, I'm just saying it might give you too many options and it might be a little confusing. And it might be something that really just like you're not going to actually find someone who is who they say they are. I am not saying it. There's no chance it works. I'm totally not saying that. I'm just saying I don't know if that sets you up for the best level of success. I don't know if that's the way that you actually want to go. So, guys, what do we do? Let's say we, uh, you know, we've, we found a girl who we think is a girl boss, right? Our friend Lucas over here, he's looking around. He sees Sammy, and he's like, okay, well, what do I do? He asks for advice. You guys are like, I was going to say ask her out. 
No, you ask for advice, and here's why. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. This one stings for me. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own opinion, but the one who listens to advice is wise. The reason why this stings for me is because I was the guy before I was following Christ. Like, the girls that I would choose to date, even my friends who were wild and crazy and terrible influences on me, were like, dude, don't date her. Like, she's a mess. And I'm just like, yeah, but I don't see it. And they're like, bro, how do you not see it? Because I had my love goggles on. But ultimately, that just led to regret. And that led to a lot of pain in my life. Because I wouldn't even listen to the people who were already bad, like, you know, bad influences on me. Much less my family and my close friends that really had my best in mind. I just didn't want to listen. So as we see a girl, we should ask for advice from people that actually know God. And they care about God. And we say, hey, what do you actually think about this girl? Because, guys, it's really hard to see straight, right? Like, it's really hard to think clearly. I know I've been there, and I'm telling you guys, it'll save you some regret if you just ask for advice. But you find this boss girl, and you find out how she's serving God. You learn about her as you're with friends, right? Like, hang out as a group of friends, right? Like, you're not just, like, stalking her on Instagram, like, oh, I wonder how she's serving at church this week, right? Like, that's not what you're doing. You're actually getting to know her like real people do in person, face-to-face, you know, and you're actually getting to know someone. And then, guys, don't drag your feet. If you're sitting there for like a year, like, should I ask this girl out? Should I not? Chances are you've waited way too long, and it's going to be a much bigger deal in your mind than it actually ends up being. And girls, I know you're thinking like, okay, well, guys, what are we, you know, that's what you're doing. What are we doing at this time? Uh, I think that this is a really common sentiment and question is should girls express interest in guys? Uh, I didn't put one up here, but you know the memes that are like girls and their signs and then the signs are like of a stoplight, all yellow, red, and green at the same time? Right, girls, I'm going to say this. If you're interested in a guy and you want to express interest in him, do it clearly. Like go up to him and tell him, I think it would be okay if you asked me out on a date. I would like that. Use those words. Because if you try to signal, guys, we will not get it. Every guy just laughed because they're like, yeah, we have no idea. We're hopelessly lost when it comes to this. But I would ask you, before you do that, what is your reasoning of expressing interest in a guy? Because if your reasoning is, oh, I just kind of think he's lazy and he doesn't really take initiative, but I want him to notice me, I don't really think that's the guy that you want to be interested in you. Because he's not going to change once you get into a relationship. If your reasoning is just, hey, like, I just don't know that we see each other. Like, I don't know if he sees me that way, but we're good friends, and I like him, and I think he's a a five-star man. Then, yeah, that might be a good idea. But I would really cause you to ask, why am I doing this? And also ask yourself, do I actually trust God? Because if you're like, I want to take this into my hands, and I want to take control, and I want to take the reins, and I'm going to write my own love story. Then I would just ask you, do you trust God? Do you trust that God actually cares? Because the Bible says that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so you want a husband who is going to sacrifice for you. And one of the big sacrifices that guys can do is taking the first step of courage and just asking a girl out. And so, not wrong, but I'm just saying it might not be what you actually want, similar to dating apps. So, also, girls, what are you doing while this is going on? Uh, Just cast your anxieties on God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's principle number four. Like, if you're anxious about, like, does God really care about me? Just pray about it. And I'm not saying just pray as in, like, that solves all your problems. But sincerely go to God and say, God, I'm having a hard time trusting you. Would you help me trust you more? And it sounds hard, but I promise you, that is going to get you the best life. Because the last thing is that we have to renew our minds. This is for guys and girls. While you're single... The world will tell you, principle number one, we have to be different from the world. Because the world will tell you that if you're not in a relationship with the exact person that you want to love in the way that you want to love them, you will not be happy. And guys, that is a complete lie. It is a complete lie to think that you cannot be happy or fulfilled or satisfied without a relationship. It just is. Because there's one thing that is going to satisfy everyone and it's Jesus. Like only Jesus himself is going to be the perfect person. And if you're looking for someone else to make you happy, right, you're not going to be happy when you find him. Because no person can, make, can do that. Just we're, we're not perfect people. 
right? And so if you're waiting for that perfect person to come along and fill that hole that you feel in your heart that you think a relationship is going to fix, it's really not. Because that hole in your heart is only meant to be filled by Jesus. And so you have to get to know him. I'm going to talk about that a lot, but I want it to be very, very clear. Like focusing on Jesus and getting to know him is the only way to have an actual fulfilled life. It is not finding a good marriage. That will not fulfill your life. It really will not. Relationships are a good thing. God made them to be a good thing. But they're not everything. All right, so that's the first stage. Single. Now, uh, Lucas and Sammy, will you guys sit on the, well, I don't really think you can do that in these chairs. Okay, you can't do that. But anyways, yeah, I was going to have you sit in between, in between single and dating. That's not really a stage. I just wanted to do it for this. Um, this is what's going to happen. So Lucas, he sees Sammy. He's like, man, she's a girl boss. I've asked my buddies. I've asked people that are following Jesus. Here's what I'm going to do. Guys, this is what you do. You find her in person, and you call, or you call her, and you be clear, and you say these words. Would you like to go on a date with me? and go get coffee or a bite to eat. It is that straightforward. But if you're like, hey, uh, I think you're kind of cool, and maybe we should just like hang out sometime, right? Girls are like, what does that mean? All the girls are just sitting there like, thank you. Yes, thank you, Nick. Because guys, we need to be clear, and we need to communicate. I would like to take you on a date, right? This is what I'd like to do. And, you, and also remember, right, you've thought about this a whole lot more than she has. And so if you're just like, yeah, uh, yeah, you, me, date, let's go right now. And she's like, first of all, who are you? Hopefully let's, you know, hopefully it's not like that. But you just have to remember, like, you're not about, like, you're not trying to go on a date so that you can have fun. You're trying to go on a date so you can point her closer to Jesus, who's the ultimate source of life. And girls, this is what you do. If a guy comes and asks you out, first of all, don't freak out, right? It's point number four, don't freak out. I don't, I'm going to make fun of Christians here for a moment because a lot of times we, like, do this thing where it's like, oh, this guy asked me out on a date. Are we getting married? No, we're not because you're just going on a date, right? Like, you are going out as friends to get to know each other. It is not a wedding. It's not even a proposal. It's not even anything close to a proposal. So, girls, don't freak out. Trust, trust God. Cast all your anxiety on him and think it through and respond clearly and either say yes I would like to go on a date with you or no. If the guy's not a follower of Jesus and faith is something that is important to you, you can tell him that. To say, hey, thank you for asking, but I don't really think that you're following Jesus and I'm going to, and that's going to have to be a no for me because I only date people who are following Jesus. And you can say that. And girls, you might be thinking right now, like, Nick, that sounds so harsh, right? Like, that sounds so mean. I don't want to say that. It really isn't. It's kind and it's clear. And guys, we, we have feelings too, Right? And so you want, girls, you want to be clear with the guy, right? If a guy mustered up the courage to ask you out, you just want to tell him and be, say, hey, I'm just, I'm not interested. Or you tell him, hey, yeah, I would like to go on a date with you. And so that's what's going to happen. So our friends up here are going to go on a date, and this is what they're going to do. First date, they're not going to go too deep. You guys can move over to dating, by the way. Uh, you're not going to go too deep, and you're going to stay in public which is very different than the way the world would do it. Principle number one, different from the world. A lot of people would say, like, oh, should I, you know, like, maybe we should just go over to my place and then we can just, like, hang out for a while, have some beers, right? Like, maybe we can hook up and watch a Netflix show. And, like, that's what we do, right? That's what a date is. No, because if you want to live free of regret and heartache, and if you get too physically intimate or emotionally intimate, while you're just dating, it's not safe because there's no commitment, right? There's no actual commitment to each other, and that's going to hurt. Hebrews 13.4 says marriage should be honored among all and the marriage bed kept undefiled, for God will judge sexually immoral, immoral people and adulterers. Guys, here's the reality, is that marriage is the place for sex and intimacy. It just is, because God designed it to be that way. And if we try to pursue that outside of marriage, it's not like God is sitting there saying, hey, I don't want you to have fun. He's saying, I don't want you to have broken hearts, right? And if you continue to go around and bond yourself to someone and then tear away because you don't end up getting married and you bond yourself and then you tear away, we tear our hearts to shreds like that. And it leads to a lot of pain. And I don't want that for anyone in here. And God doesn't want that for anyone in here. So that's why as you're dating, 
right? Like you just, you keep it casual, right? You just, you go down to the ice cream parlor and you share a soda pop. Sounds really old fashioned. I don't know why. I always love saying that. I just don't, like wearing poodle skirts and like leather jackets, greasers. I was in a play in eighth grade, okay? <laughs> this is the one play I was in. Don't ask to see it. It wasn't that good. And then on the first date, right, what are you doing? You're focusing on God. Why? Because Jesus says in John 17, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so if you're, if you're dating, is trying to be focused on God and others, and you're not, having just, you're not showing up just to have fun for yourself, but you're trying to be a blessing to someone else, then you point them to the only person that can give them true, eternal, abundant life. And it's Jesus. Right, so on your date, talk about Jesus. Like, encourage each other towards Jesus. And have fun, too. That's the next one, right? Like, actually just have fun. Just enjoy it. It's just a date, right? Like, and be friends. Be normal people. Don't uh, overthink things. Just enjoy it. Take deep breaths. Uh, girls, you know, don't try to win them over just because you're looking really pretty, you know, and you're saying all the right things. Guys, I was going to say don't be too dressed up, but maybe guys need to know you should get dressed up. Guys are like, I'm just going to depend upon Jesus, and they're wearing like a white shirt with barbecue stains on it, right? And they're like, hey, God, you've got this. No, no, guys, put on a nice shirt, please. Shower, shave, put on a nice shirt. No, but you enjoy the first date because that's all it is. It is just a first date. And so afterwards, principle number two, you be clear and genuine. And guys, you look at the girl and you say, hey, this was fun. We should do it again sometime. Or, hey, I really had fun with you, but I don't think we're going to go on another date. And girls, if you didn't have fun, I would just say, hey, uh, thank you for taking me on a date. I'm not interested in getting to know you more in this way, but thank you for your time. Right? And it sounds harsh, but it's clear and it's genuine. And it protects them from just saying, well, like, if you just leave it like, yeah, hey, I'll call you sometime, right, people are like, what does that mean, right? Did you have fun or not? Like, was this good? Are we going to move forward? And so you just, you be clear and you kind. And kind. And, and girls, I would encourage you, if it, if it wasn't the perfect date, give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Because if, if you were expecting this perfect date where this guy came and he totally swept you off your feet and he asked you every single question about yourself that you wanted to know, and he told you every single thing that you wanted to hear from the Disney movie that you saw when you were a little girl, right, you are looking for the wrong thing. Because there is not going to be a single guy who is ever going to be good enough for that standard. But if you see a guy who pointed you towards Jesus, and you're like, man, he, he wasn't perfect, but he pointed me towards Jesus, and he showed care towards me, then you just, you give him another shot. I really think that that's healthy. Unless you're just like, absolutely not. But I think that that's really good. And if, you ask, if you're not interested, I would really encourage you to ask yourself why. Because if you're saying no, and he had a great heart for God, I would just, I would just, I'm just saying, I'm not saying you have to say yes or you have to say no. Just remember, we're trying to ask ourselves, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Because it could be that you're looking for the perfect guy when the perfect guy doesn't exist. It could also not be that. Guys, the same thing could be true. Maybe you've taken a girl out on a date, and you're just like, well, she wasn't perfect. But you're not looking for that. And so then, you know, Lucas and Sammy, they, they rinse and repeat, and they keep going out on dates. And guys, here's the thing. If it ends here, it's okay. Right? If they go on three dates and they stop dating, it is totally okay. That's totally fine. Because you don't have to get married if you go on dates with someone. That's the reality. You're not getting married. But it's why you don't want to go too quick too fast. But let's say they want to become official boyfriend and girlfriend. So what do they do? They're going to have a DTR. They're going to define the relationship. Right now they're officially dating. Should have had you guys move now. I didn't. My bad. The first thing you do in a DTR is you set boundaries. And this is, this is different from the world, again. But you set boundaries of what are we going to do physically, right? Or how close are we going to get emotionally? And guys, remember, the goal here is not to set the line here and then just say, how close can I get? And how close can I get? The goal is not to have a fire and hold it as close to someone as they can get without burning them, right? Fire was designed to stay in the fireplace to provide warmth for a home. Just like that, intimacy in marriage is designed to provide warmth and, and connection in a marriage. So even if you're dating, everyone will be like, hey, yeah, you're, you're dating, right? Like, you can do whatever you want. You can make out. Like, you can snuggle and watch movies. This is something that there's a, a, a guy who works with young adults. His name's Jonathan Bakuda. I really trust him a lot. And he says this. 
he says, if your body is preparing itself for sex, you've gone too far. Right? And that's what he, he doesn't say it for shock value. And I'm not saying it for shock value. I'm just saying it as a helpful reminder. You're not trying to toe that line of saying, how close can I get? You're trying to say, how can I live a life where I can keep respecting boundaries? And how can I care about people? Because remember, if you go too far and you cross those lines, it's something that you can't take back. And it will lead to heartbreak. So you're not just going to set those boundaries, but you're going to tell other people, hey, these are our boundaries. I want trusted friends that are going to hold me to them. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. You want to find a friend who's going to tell you something hard, right? Like, you know, guys, if you're hanging out with her at 3 in the morning at her, her apartment and you get home and your buddies are like, hey, man, like, that was a really long date. Are you, do you think it's wise to actually spend time with her at 3 o'clock in the morning when it's just you two alone, right? That might, you might just be like, hey, bro, lay off, right? It's my relationship. I can do what I want because it hurts a little bit because they're, they're implying, hey, I don't think that that's a good idea. But the wounds of a friend are faithful, and they're doing that because they care about you. And they're doing that because they want you to succeed. If you have friends that just tell you everything that you want all the time, the Bible says that they are not really your friend. Because the enemy, the, an enemy gives excessive kisses. Right? An enemy is actually going to tell you everything you want to hear all the time. It's not actually what you want. So you're having this DTR, right? You've set your boundaries. You've told other people your boundaries. You've set goals and directions. And then you just keep being clear and genuine. You keep telling each other, this is exactly where we're at, right? Like, we are, I like you this much. I think we're going to keep moving forward. And it sounds kind of robotic. It's like, well, why would you do that? It's not like, no, be people, right? Like, be real people. Don't just repeat everything that you heard in a book or in a talk or something. Like, be an actual person. But make it your own. But just be clear and be genuine. See, you want to, this is another thing. Principle number three, you want to keep serving God and focusing on others. So if you're boyfriend or girlfriend, right, like, you don't want just everything to instantly become like, oh, life is just about us two forever, and we're only going to hang out with each other all the time. No, keep living your lives, right? You're not married. There's going to be plenty of time if you get married to where you can hang out together. So keep enjoying your time, loving God. You don't have to spend every waking moment of the day together. You don't even have to spend most of your time together. I know some really godly marriages where one guy said that he's like, I took the girl out on a date once a week and I called her once a week. And that's all they saw each other. And they have a great marriage. And it's like, wow, that doesn't really seem good. But they did it enough because they got to know each other in a good setting. And that's what you want to keep doing. You want to get to know each other's friends. Get to know each other's families. Right? Like, don't just withdraw, but get to know the communities that eventually, if you do get married, like, those communities are going to mesh. And then you keep being forgiving and you keep getting advice, and you look for confirmation that they are who they say that they are. Because you might find out, you might be like, hey, this person, I thought that he was a five-star man. Turns out he's a zero-star man. I don't know how he dupes people that bad, but maybe he did. And it's like, man, I don't, I don't really think this guy is who he says that he is. And then you get out of the relationship, and you communicate that. And you say, hey, I don't really think that you are who I thought that you were, and I'm going to step out. But remember, you're not doing it as much for matters of preference, but you're doing it for matters of character. Because if you end up with a guy with bad character or a girl with bad character, that is going to hurt you. Right? But if it's just preferential stuff, be forgiving. Principle number five, keep being forgiving. And keep saying, can I work towards this person? And you're not married, so there's no commitment. It's not like you have to get married. And remember, if it ends here, that's totally okay. You be cordial and you be friends. But you want to you date in such a way, I think this is a really mature viewpoint. If you date in such a way that you go on dates with a girl, or you, you have a, a, a girl who's your girlfriend or a boy who's your boyfriend, and you end up not getting married and you break up, that you could go to one of your close friends and say, hey, dude, I think you should ask this girl out. Like, I dated her and I really enjoyed it, and I don't think that we're going to get married, but she's a, she's a grade A girl. She's a boss girl. I think the world of her, I think you should ask her out. One of your close friends. Because that's just a mature point of view, right? Because you just saw each other as friends. And I think that that's a really, really mature viewpoint to have. But this is what you do. You date until you find out that this is the person that you want to marry. Bob, who I mentioned at the beginning of the story, he always says it like this. He says, you date until you find out that, I, that you don't want to spend another day without her. 
and you date her until you find out this is the person that I want to marry. And so then, guys, what do you do? You get a ring. Ring pop. There you go, Lucas. You get a ring. Guys, if you don't have a ring fund, get a ring fund now. Because you don't want to be scrambling to pull together cash and donating plasma, giving away all of your plasma just to try to get a ring. Just kidding. I've donated plasma for things in the past. It's, it's a noble trait. <laughs> no, you get a ring, and then you ask her dad. And guys are like, oh, no, asking her dad? Nick, that's so old-fashioned. What happened to the ice cream parlor and the soda pops? Like, why do I need to ask her dad? And here's the thing, because her dad hopefully has been caring for her for his entire life. And you want the support of her parents, right? Because they're going to be the ones that when you're in conflict five years into marriage, they're not just saying, yeah, honey, you should bail. I never liked him anyways. You want parents and you want a dad who's going to say, no, I want you to stick in it, honey. Go back to him and work it out. And you want, you want that support from each other's families. And guys, a really, really good way to do that is to ask her dad. And it will take some courage. And it'll take a lot of, you know, like, you might have to work yourself up and do it. But go see him and just say, hey, can I have your blessing? And, and you're not asking for permission necessarily. You just say, hey, can I have your blessing in, in marrying your daughter? And now there's tons of caveats here, right? Like maybe her dad's not a follower of Jesus or maybe he's not a good guy or maybe he's not in the picture. It is not a make or break. But I'm just saying, guys, it will set you up for success. And I think girls would say that it would make them feel very, very valued. And it makes them feel very cared for. So I would just say, you go ask her dad. But then, after you've got that, and girls are like, well, what are we doing during this time? Right? Like, you kind of know that something's coming. You saw him texting someone about how to get ring sizes. And you're like, well, there's only one thing that can mean. And here's what you do. You pray and you don't pressure him. But you be clear. If you have, if you have questions, you ask him. And you don't try to read minds. But you just ask him, hey. What are, where are we at? Which way direction are we moving? Guys, hopefully you're already leading out in this. Hopefully you're already communicating. Like, you don't have to be like, hey, I'm going to propose to you in three weeks, right? But <laughs> it, it can be a surprise. That's okay. But if she's totally shocked, if she's like, you're asking me to marry you now, like, maybe you're on different pages of communication, right? Like, you don't want it to be a total surprise to where someone's like, uh, no. Right, like you want you kind of want to kind of have some some clear communication lines on this. But then you plan out a special day. Let's say her dad says, "Yeah, go for it." And Lucas, you can give Sammy the ring pop. <laughs> All right, and then you can scoot over to engaged. And this is a celebration, right? It's exciting. Thank you guys for being good sports about this. So they're engaged, and remember, you're not married, right? So you keep your boundaries because you want to stay free from regret. Because while there's some commitment, right, like you're not married yet. So you don't want to cross all the physical intimacy lines. You don't want to cross all the, the emotional intimacy lines. But there are some things that you can do to start getting to know each other more. And so you get premarital counseling from a godly couple. And a lot of people would be like, well, no, like engagement is just about planning the most fun wedding that you can. Right? Like, and you plan out your honeymoon and you try to make it as fun as you can. No, because that's what the world says. But there's actually statistics that would say that the more you spend on a wedding, the more likely it is to end in divorce. The more time that you spend planning a wedding, the less likely it is to succeed. Because what's your goal? Your goal is for a really fun party. Your goal is not to build a healthy, lifelong marriage. So you, you stay engaged as long as it takes to get married and to figure out everything you need to. And what are the kind of things you're figuring out? Now that you're engaged, there's actually some commitment. And so you can actually start to talk about things that are going to impact your future marriage. Right? Like, now is where you, when with the, the premarital counseling, you talk about, hey, what are some of the traumas from life that you've experienced? And what are some of these hard things that you've been through? What are your views on finances? Do you have a lot of financial debt? How many kids do you want? What are your views on sex? And you start to actually have these conversations. And you do it with people that have a really, really good marriage. Not just people who have, like, are married. Like, you find people who have a healthy marriage. 
that they actually love each other and they're a blessing to everyone else. And you find someone and you ask them for more advice and then you just get married quickly. And you be forgiving and you rely on God throughout this entire time. And, and as there's wedding stress and as there's marriage stress, you continue to forgive and you continue to trust and you continue to believe that God will take care of you because he will. And you continue to remind yourself that only God can satisfy. The perfect wedding cannot satisfy. The perfect honeymoon cannot satisfy. The perfect marriage cannot satisfy. Only Jesus can do that. Hey, y'all, give it up for Sammy and Lucas. You guys can go take a seat. That was awesome. I'm glad. Thank you guys for being good sports. Well, let's say you've planned out the wedding day, right? And the day gets closer, and it gets closer, and then you're at the rehearsal, and you're at the rehearsal dinner, and finally, it's the day of your wedding. Finally, the day has come. And girls, you wake up at 6 a.m., and you go, and you get your nail paint on, and you get your makeup done, and you do your hair, or someone else does your hair, so I'm told. And you wear your dress, and you look beautiful, and you celebrate with your closest friends. And guys, you show up at 2.30 p.m. after playing basketball all day and eating at Red Robin, because that's just what you do. And then you take a shower, and you look decent. But you guide everyone to their seats, and guys, you walk down the aisle, and you wait, and everyone stands and turns, and your bride comes down the middle of the aisle, and she's standing there in white, and then you take her hand, and you make a promise and a commitment, a solemn swear before God that you are going to love each other and sacrifice for one another until the day that you die, and you hold to that commitment. And that's just the beginning. Right? Like, there's a lot more we could say after this. But I wanted to take a moment and talk about why I've talked about principle number five so much. is because there's probably people in here, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, hey, Nick, that sounds really good. Right? Like, wedding dresses are white because they, symbol, they symbolize purity. But maybe, girls, you're sitting and you're thinking, but that's not me. Right? Like, I've, I've made mistakes or I've done things where I've given myself away to a guy who didn't actually love me, and he left me, and now I'm heartbroken, and I feel dirty, and I feel used, and I don't deserve a wedding day like that, and I don't deserve a marriage like that. Or guys, maybe you're sitting there, and you're like, Nick, that sounds good, but I don't deserve a girl like that. And so you just think, man, all that's left for me is just to settle. So I'm just going to keep hooking up with whoever gives me attention. Or I'm just going to keep saying that, man, I just, I guess I'm single for the rest of my life. Because you don't think that you deserve it. And you don't think that because of what you've done, you don't think there's any hope for you or there's any future. And I want to tell you guys that that is the principle of being forgiving. But here's what it is. It is not having someone else forgive you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if it is God's design for marriage and we've chosen to pursue sex or relationships or love outside of his plan, and we've brought sin into our lives and shame and regret and heartache, ultimately we've wronged him. And ultimately we've gone against him. Because here's the cool thing, is that God loves everyone so much. John 3, 16, Jesus said this. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He said, Paul said this in Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for anyone in Christ Jesus. Because here's the reality, that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. Imagine that. Imagine a perfect life. Think of all the ways that you wrong someone during the day. Think about all the things that you act selfishly during the day. Jesus did none of that. And yet they killed him. And he died a very, very painful death with nails driven through his wrists and his ankles, and he hung there until he suffocated and bled out because he loves you. And he does not love the future perfect version of you that one day a followers of Jesus will be made into when they die. No, he loves you as you are right now. And he loves everything. Uh, 
care of his ego. He, he loves you so much that he's willing to take away everything that you've ever done and say, hey, the penalty for that is paid. And all the shame that you feel is paid. And so if you're sitting here and you're like, Nick, I don't deserve a wedding like that. I'm going to say, no, you don't. None of us do. But through Jesus, you can have that. Through Jesus, you can have the clear conscience and the clean slate that we all want. And if you've made, never made the decision to turn and say, God, I'm going to go from viewing relationships my way. And I'm going to trust in, in you. And I'm going to follow you. I am telling you, you can do that today. And it's not just a relationship thing. It is your entire life. It's how you sleep. It's how you eat. It's how you work. It's how you think. Everything becomes about Jesus. And it's not a list of rules because, remember, eternal life is knowing Jesus. It's about a relationship with the only one who can ever satisfy you. And if you have never made that decision, I would encourage you guys to make it tonight. Like, please come talk to a volunteer afterwards. Talk to someone who invited you and say, I want to make the decision to follow Jesus so that you can have that clean slate. And you can get to know the only one that will ever satisfy. Because I'm telling you guys, it is worth it. It is so worth it. And here's the thing, right? Maybe you're not ready to make that decision. Take it very seriously. Ask someone, hey, I've got these obstacles. Will you help me work through them? I've got some questions about following Jesus. What do I need to do to take a step forward? And that's okay, but I would just encourage you to remember to take it seriously. And don't let work and don't let all the things around the house that you've got to do get in the way of distracting you from who Jesus is and how much he loves you and how much he wants to get to know you. Because here's the deal. That's the only way that you're going to have a successful marriage. It really is. It's through Jesus. And because you're going to have to continue to be different from the world, and you're going to have to continue to be clear and genuine, and you're going to have to continue to focus on God and on your spouse, and you're going to have to be dependent, and you're going to have to be forgiving. And that all comes through Jesus and through knowing Jesus. And that is an entire another talk, another series about all the depths of marriage. And at some point, that is something that is very good to learn. But in order to illustrate our point, I've actually asked a, a, a friends of mine to share a video on their story of relationships. So I'm going to play a video of you of Charlie and Carrington's story. What's up, Block JC? Hey guys, we're Charlie and Carrington Anderson, and we just wanted to get to share a little bit about our story tonight. So my view of relationships changed a ton uh, my sophomore year of college, and that's when I came to faith in Christ. And after that, my view went from really selfish and just kind of what can I get out of relationships to what would God have for me. And so I knew that if I wanted to be following Christ for a lifetime, it made most sense for me to find a godly woman to do that alongside of and encourage me. And so um, I knew to get a godly woman, I needed to be a godly man. So. I really pursued some of the things that Nick actually talked about a couple weeks ago, but trying to become a five-star man. And so I certainly didn't do those things perfectly, um, but had really a couple year span after I came to faith that I was intentionally trying to grow in a lot of those areas. Uh, so about my senior year, um, talked with some guys that I really respected and that were mentors for me, and they started to encourage me toward relationships, and I had one girl in mind. Yeah, so similar to Charlie, um, I feel like I, so I came to faith in Christ um, my junior year of college. Um, shortly after that, I got more seriously involved in a campus ministry at Mizzou. Um, I went to a summer project that they have um, where you just kind of get some different trainings and work full time. While I was there, I got to learn about this concept of how to honor God with our relationships. Really similar to some of the stuff we've been talking about here at the block the last few weeks. Um, and it was just really, really new to me. So I kind of got to learn about how I could be pursuing things in singleness that would set me up well in a relationship that would honor God. Um, so I kind of committed after that summer to a brief season of singleness where I could really focus on prioritizing God in all areas of my life and kind of growing deeper roots in my personal relationship with Jesus, um, as well as even kind of spending some time diving into God's word and just even kind of making a list of what some things would be that I would want to see in a man that I would be excited to um, potentially enter into the marriage with someday. So that when that time came, hopefully, um, where I would maybe get asked on a date, I could really think through that lens of, is this someone who I could see myself potentially getting married to and therefore um, want to enter into a dating relationship with? 
yeah, so that day finally came. Uh, I called her up kind of out of the blue, um, told her things that I respected about her and why, and just asked her on a first date. So our first date was putt-putt. It was great. She beat me. So there were conversations about whether a second date would happen or not. I'll never let him live it down. Yeah. It's my claim to fame. He doesn't let me beat him very much. <laughs> well, it, it was good. And But as our dating relationship kind of progressed, uh, there were some things that we did intentionally uh, to honor God in the context of our relationship. And so I think one of the ways that I tried to lead was when it came to clarity about the relationship. And so there were a couple ways I did that. Um, and it was mainly with boundaries that we talked about ahead of time and set for ourselves. And so one of those was around like communication, how often we were talking, going on dates, things like that. And another example of that was our like physical boundaries that we set as well. And so we did that because um, we knew that we both wanted to honor God in the context of our relationship and that we wanted to um, really just protect each other as we were deciding whether our dating relationship was going to end up in marriage. Yeah, um, so from my perspective during our dating relationship, um, I felt like I really appreciated the fact that Charlie made it a priority in our relationship, even pretty early on to just communicate really clearly with me. Um, I think the fact that we were able together to establish some boundaries in a few of those different areas were really helpful. Um, and I felt really respected and honored in that way. And then even just the ways that he communicated clearly that helped me to not have to wonder kind of what he was thinking or where we stood in the relationship um, and kind of just like an ongoing conversation even around boundaries and kind of where we were at um, those boundaries evolving ever so slightly kind of as we moved through our relationship and um, as time went on and getting more serious um, and even just talking about more serious things I feel like as time went on and the closer we got to engagement um, the more we talked about things future oriented that we had I feel like kind of guarded against early on and started having conversations about kids and um, financial situation yeah, things like that yeah Star Wars um, was uh, those are just some examples of ways that I felt really honored in our relationship in a lot of ways that I just got to intentionally observe his character even throughout dating ways that I got to see the fact that he's quick to ask for forgiveness and really um, loyal and um, fun. I feel like we just had a ton of fun in dating and got to see the ways that his heart for God is um, just really evident and one of the things that gave me a lot of confidence in him. So kind of all of those things combined were ways that I felt like we got to prioritize God in our relationship and kind of keep him at the center and all of that made me really confident to say yes to Charlie when a very special day came where we got to go on a really fun date and he asked me big question and I got to say yes to marry him. We know that that was super quick. Um, there's a ton more to each of our stories personally and a ton more to the story of our relationship and everything hasn't been perfect the whole way by any means um, but we are incredibly thankful for the ways that we trusted God in dating and it has paid dividends significantly in marriage so we're thankful. Yeah thank you guys I hope this is encouraging. Um, and we're really grateful to get to share with you guys. One take, how about that? Hey, y'all give it up for Charlie and Carrington. <laughs> guys, I, I know that a lot of you might not know them, um, but I've gotten to work pretty closely with Charlie and Carrington, and they're just, they're an amazing couple, and the thing that I love about them is that their marriage is focused around God, right? And, and y'all just care about people so much and you all care about honoring God and it's just it's an it's an amazing marriage and it's a blessing to so many people so I just wanted to encourage you all like that's uh, that's a marriage that you want to look forward to but just remember that it, the reality is that not everyone will get married and that is totally okay right like you can find fulfillment in Jesus but if we are going to get married we have to understand the assignment right we have to understand about how we're doing things if you have questions about some of our previous talks, I would encourage you to go online, listen to them on Spotify or Apple Music. Uh, come ask a volunteer if you have questions. What am I going to pray for us, and then the, the band's going to come up. God, I'm just, I'm really grateful for you. And God, I'm grateful for the fact that you care about us 
and you, you care about us so much, God, but ultimately you, you loved us enough to die for us, God, and, and you loved us enough that, that God, you, you didn't let us stay living in a, in a life of shame or regret, God, but you came and you died on the cross for our sins so that we could know you and have eternal life. God, and I pray that we would seriously consider how we do relationships. God, I pray that we would seriously consider the principles by which we live. God, not just because we want to have marriages that stay together, God, but because we want to have, we have amazing marriages that are blessings to other people. And God, help us to trust you. Help us to rely on you. God, because you're the only one that can make this happen. God, I pray that we would be men and women who apply this to our lives, that we wouldn't let it go in one ear and out the other, God, but we'd seriously take it to heart. God, and help us to, to turn to you and trust you and do the hard work of getting to know you, God, knowing that you've already done all the hard work of loving us and dying on the cross for our sins so that we can't know you. I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so grateful for the way that you've transformed my life and forgiven me. And I pray that each and every one of us would have that here today. In Jesus' name I pray.